Today's talk is about imagination and visualization from Ernest Holmes in this book, The Science of Mind, the original textbook that uh, Reverend Larry's been working with for a while. And I'm going to quote from him in a moment. But I wanted to share with you every day from Monday through Friday, I get a wonderful email from a website called TUT, T-U-T, and some of you may receive it, but I wanted to share with you the one that I received not recently because it just made me smile and it reflected pretty much the way my life is now all the time. And it says, sometimes it just sneaks up on you, Lynn. You know, you don't even see it coming. Suddenly and without warning, you're surrounded by the best friends you've ever known. You're waking up in the mornings just dying to get into the day. There's a lightness in your step and a gleam in your eye. Your thinking is new, your laughter frequent, and you're drawn to tears whenever you hear happy tales. You're on a roll, so it's not like you're thinking about it, but if you were to think about it, you wouldn't know what's gotten into you, nor would you recall just when. You only just shake your head whenever you thought of how quickly everything can change. Just something to remember the next time you don't see something coming. By the way, you row my oars, universe. <laughs> Can you imagine your life being content and happy and fulfilled all the time? Can you see the life that you totally desire to live ever really truly happening? Can you imagine yourself free of physical pain or emotional suffering? Can you see yourself receiving rave reviews in a theater performance or an artistic display or even a performance of music? If not, then Science of Mind is definitely for you. In the beginning, Nancy said something to the effect that we only ask that if you stay open to the possibility of changing your entire life by simply changing your mind, you are welcome here. Well, I did that because I believed what they said. I believed that phrase. 21 years ago, I was a sad, pathetic, unhappy, miserable wretch. That's a good word, wretch. That's really pretty much what I was. <laughs> I lived in isolation and despair. I had, my car was repossessed. I, was, I had filed bankruptcy. I was, the ne my next address was under a bridge someplace, and I'd really picked out a good one already. It was in the Napa Valley. Um, but I had really dug a hole for myself and was really in misery and could not see a way out. I couldn't even imagine the possibility of anything getting better. That was just like a pipe dream because my life internally was such a bloody mess. And so I went into recovery. It was like death, recovery, death, recovery. Well, let's try recovery. So I went into recovery, and shortly thereafter, I was introduced to science of mind. And my life began to change instantaneously, just like that saying. And I had to work at it a little bit because I didn't know how to shift my mind, and I was taught here and given tools on how to do that. At one point, I remember being in a meeting, and there was a um, blackboard on the wall, and uh, there was the word joy written on the blackboard. It must have been during the holidays. And I looked at that word, and I thought, what does that feel like? 
I had not a clue what joy was about. Of course, I sung about it and all that kind of stuff. But internally, I didn't know what joy was. And now I do. It's taken a while, but at that time, I had no hope of any kind. And science of mind gave me hope. Because as I said, I believed them when they said I could change my life by changing my mind. One of the very first classes that I took taught me the basic five tools that we use in spiritual practice to change our thinking. And those, cha- those, those five spiritual practices I still do today. The first is spiritual mind treatment, which we call affirmative prayer. It's kind of an odd name, but it works really well. Um, meditation, sitting, really sitting in the silence. Study, classes, learning, especially learning about higher realms of possibility, those things that are greater than you are. Financially giving to where we are spiritually fed, whether that's a place, whether that's a person, it doesn't matter. But financially giving to support that which supports us. And seva, giving of unconditional service someplace in the world to help make the world a better place. So I began a daily spiritual practice that I continue to use today. And mine, I do reading every morning, I do meditation every morning, sometimes I journal. But when I first began, I was impatient. And I don't know whether any of you are, but I was somewhat discouraged because I kept doing it and doing it and nothing happened. And I remember writing in my journal, when is it going to change? Is this just, you know, an exercise in futility? Because nothing seemed to change. My life was just going on in the same old boring way. And, um, but I kept doing it anyway. There was something in me that said, well, it worked for other people. It must work for me. So I just kept doing it. And one morning, I woke up, and I thought, oh, my gosh, my life is fabulous. How did it get to be that way? It was just like that thing that I read earlier. It was just like... All of a sudden, it just snuck up on me, and I didn't know how it became so amazing. And how, and, but it was all inside. Nothing was happening different on the outside. It was still living in my little 180 square foot, you know how small 180 square feet is? <laughs> With a dog and a cat, but anyway. But I internally, I was absolutely amazingly content, and I was shocked by that. In this particular chapter we're working, for, working on this week, Ernest Holmes says about imagination and will. He says, we did not make life and we cannot change it, but we can use it. And the use of life is through the imagination. Imagination carries with it feeling and conviction. Imagination is the power of the word, while will is the directive agency denoting the purpose for which the word is spoken. And I want to share with you a story or a little excerpt from one of our teenagers who has been raised in Science of Mind. And this particular issue, the September issue, has several articles by teenagers. And I want to share this one specifically with you because she's 16 years old. And this is how she imagines life to be. Her name is Davina, and she lives in Huntington Beach, California. She's a junior at Sage Hill High School. 
As a teenager who has been raised in the teachings of science of mind, this is what I know about the future. There are infinite possibilities, and the future only holds greater and bigger things. It seems to me that the whole world is getting on the, quote, green bandwagon, which I know will lead to a healthier and a livelier planet. With a healthier planet comes a healthier and more connected human race. I believe that as we open our hearts to others, and they in turn open their hearts to others, it will be another example of the butterfly effect, each action impacting another. The result will be a stronger, more loving human race. I see my life unfolding perfectly right before my eyes every day. I know that I am on the path to success because I know that I have infinite potential. Did you all think that when you were 16? In 25 years, I expect to have a beautiful family and be doing something I love that will have a profound impact on the world and those around me. Were you thinking about the world when you were 16? <laughs> the philosophy of science of mind is and will always be a huge part of my life. It has given me the tools to create the life I want and deserve. It also promotes a higher consciousness throughout the world. There are other stories in here in this magazine. I really encourage you to, to get the magazine and read them because they're very inspirational. We use our imagination all the time. However, we primary, primarily use it in a very unconscious and non-directive way. For what we think creates the template for the creative power of spirit to mold into form what we give it. So what are you putting into the mold? Is it the same old, same old? Have you so convinced yourself that what you dream about simply is not possible because you're too old, you don't have the right education, you're in debt, you don't have, or you have physical challenges, you wouldn't know where to begin, you have a family, etc., etc., etc. Fill in your blank. Are you open, really open, to another way of living? I invite you to join me today and be willing to shift out of your it isn't possible thinking and begin co-creating the life that you desire to live, fueled by your dreams and your imagination. It is the attitude of mind that allows us to see things differently, to stretch into infinity and to reach in the, into the invisible and see all of life differently. I want to share a little bit of the story of Florence Nightingale. And I've shared this before with the congregation, but I think it's very inspirational. Florence Nightingale became known as the Lady of the Lamp. Named for the Italian city in which she was born, she was raised in affluence, but saw the world differently. Throughout her gentle, shy childhood, she dreamed, she, she imagined becoming a nurse because she was struck with the process of restoring living creatures back to health. It became her passion. Her father, in an attempt to help her get a life, said, you will not be able to change all of the sadness and poverty in the world. To which she replied, I will change it. I will make the world a better place. This is what dreaming and imagination 
and wonder and goodness will produce. She saw the world through what is possible, and that created her passion for loving service. And so it was inconceivable to her that she could not make a difference. So she went into nursing school in Europe, even though in her Victorian English society, nursing was a scandalous profession for an eligible, wealthy young woman. And then the story heats up when England and France soon went to war with Russia. A contingent of 40 nurses in 1854 traveled for over a month through storms and seasickness and just horrible conditions. They arrived at the hospital, and the hospital, quote, was shabby, dirty, rat and cockroach infested, and their welcome was this. The army has never needed women, and we don't need them now. None of them were prepared for what they saw. So much death, so much blood. Soldiers too sink and cold to move. No beds, no blankets, no fire, no heat, no welcome. But they set out to accomplish what they had come for, one step at a time, cleaning, cooking, feeding, helping. And out of that, a respect, love, and dedication grew for her. Florence evidently seemed to be everywhere at once. At night, her lamp burned as she walked the four miles of corridors among the rows of damaged soldiers, and she became known as the Lady of the Lamp. One soldier wrote, What a comfort it was to see her. She would speak to one and nod and smile to as many more, but she couldn't do it all, you know. We lay there by the hundreds, but we could kiss her shadow as it fell and lay our heads on the pillow again content. I tell you this story because her life was fueled by an inner desire to make a difference and she truly imagined that it was possible. And so that inner desire propelled her to do some amazing things with her, quote, ministry as a nurse. She changed the face of health care. From that moment on, it was never the same. So what is the source of meaning in your life? What propels you? What inner passion is surging in you right now to make a difference in your life and the life of those around you. Think of some of the things that have just stopped, your, stopped you in your tracks and you've just gone, wow. Perhaps you stopped because you spotted God. I was talking to someone after the first service and she was telling me about an experience that she had yesterday walking. She walks every morning about a mile and she came across a, a wood, a wooded area, and she was listening on her iPod to Tchaikovsky, and just at the moment of crescendo, the sunlight shone through the trees in just that magical way, and she said it took her breath away, and she stopped right in the middle of the street with her mouth open and just thought, that's God. That's God. Sometimes we need dreams of what is possible to get us to the other side of what we're experiencing, to get us to the other side of our problems. We need that idea of visualizing and seeing what is possible in order to step into it. And maybe somebody else's dream or what they did can guide us into what is possible. 
Ernest Holmes on visualization says, visualizing means mentally seeing the things you wish to have or to do. When you mentally see the things you desire and see them clearly, you are presenting universal mind with images of thought. And like the creative soil in the ground, it at once tends to project them into form. That's the way it works. But what's amazing to me is that most people don't have a clue what they want. And when I've counseled people over the years and I ask them, they say they don't know. They don't know what they want. And they have a long list of what they don't want. I used to be like that. I couldn't envision or even think about a life that was beyond my miserable little life that I was living. I couldn't, I just couldn't imagine it. My mind just wouldn't even go there. But I began consciously every single day to change that. And one of the ways that I did that was, and this seems kind of silly, I just took out a piece of paper, a legal pad, and started writing down everything I wanted. I even got out catalogs <laughs> and looked at catalogs. And I know that that's not really spiritual, but all I was doing was putting stuff on a paper. I was just making a list. And what I got to watch was my internal voice that kept telling me, well, you can't have that. You don't deserve that, blah, blah, blah. Why would you? All I was doing was writing it down. Nothing more, just making a list. And yet my mind was convincing me that it wasn't possible you know, for me to have whatever it was in that Neiman Marcus catalog. <laughs> when I went to Mexico, when I moved to Mexico about a year ago, I lived in mainland Mexico, south of Guadalajara, which was just beautiful. But the elevation was way too high for me, and I got very sick. So my doctor there told me that I needed to move to low elevation, hot temperature, no humidity. So Baja, here I came. So I live in southern Baja now, and it's wonderful, it's beautiful. And when I, I was staying temporarily with a, who has now become a friend, and it was time for me to move. And so I thought, okay, what do, where do I want to live? So I just wrote down on a little piece of paper what I wanted my new place to look like. And I sent it out on a listserv that I have. The next day, a woman called and said, oh, I have a friend who has a such and such. I went to look at it, and two days later, I moved into the place that I'm living in now, which is just gorgeous. And that's how quickly it happens. If you're clear, well, I wasn't totally clear because it doesn't have a view of the ocean, but I'm working on that now. <laughs> but the ideas in science of mind are simple. Anybody can do them. But what we need to do is to create quality time to practice. And over time, all of us have learned to just temper our imagination, to put restraints on what God has created in us. We begin to base our lives on fear, on lies, on procrastination, and such a very, very, very narrow view of life that says, no, you can't do that. The world isn't safe. How many people I have talked to who have said, I'd say, in, I live in Mexico, and the first thing they say to me is, aren't you afraid? I mean, that's just, well, someone this morning said, do you have the internet? I said, yes, we have running water, too. But... <laughs> but <laughs> But, you know, it's like, gosh, move away in consciousness from our little tiny narrow view that we get from a television. The world is amazingly beautiful. And the people that I have met there travel the world. They're, they're one person, they're, they're planning to retire in Uruguay. Do you even think about Uruguay? 
<laughs> I mean, Uruguay, oh my gosh. Anyway, that creative spirit in you was instilled in you when you were born. As a child, it's still there. It's waiting for you to uncover it. And so all this is about is remembering. It's just remembering that that presence of creativity, of beauty, of love, of power is in us now. It didn't go anywhere. But we can get fuzzy. And especially as religious scientists, we come on Sunday morning and we get filled up and we go home. And that's the end of it until the next Sunday. Our philosophy takes a lot more than just coming on Sunday morning because there's all this evidence out here that's trying to get your mind and make you convince you that what it's telling you is real and it isn't. So it's really important to create a daily spiritual practice, to connect with people in a spiritual community that supports you as you begin to get comfortable changing your mind so your life will be different. I want to share this story, which, which is kind of what we have to do with our consciousness. And I don't remember where this came from, but I think it's a good illustration. It's, quote, by way of illustration, imagine yourself looking at a picture of a beautiful landscape. The picture has trees, a house, a stream of water, a beautiful meadow, and in the background are mountains and blue sky dotted with clouds. You look at it a long time, contemplating the beauty. Now suppose that a piece of colored glass or a dirty glass is placed between you and the picture, so it appears to be blurred or obstructed. Everything now seems distorted, and yet nothing has happened to the picture. It's your business to remove the glass and see the picture that's still there, hanging on the wall, except now it's clear. Ernest Holmes said, we must relight the torch of our imagination by fire caught from heaven. We must remain faithful to this vision for a realization of the presence of God is the secret power of our work. We're not doing this. We're just removing all that fuzzy stuff that gets in the way and allowing what's already there to come through us. So it isn't work, it's just e it's easy actually, but it requires consistency and it requires commitment. So if you truly, really, really, really want your life to change, you gotta do a few things. You just gotta do a few things. And that's more than just showing up on Sunday morning as fun as it is and how wonderful it is. You can buy a tape and listen to Linda sing. I wanna close this morning by reading from this book, it's 365 essays of Ernest Holmes, One for Every Day, and this is the one for today. And I invite you, if you'd like, to just close your eyes and listen to his words. Today I release all thoughts of fear from my mind. Today I lay down the burden of carrying the load of responsibility of life for myself or for others. Today I relax all sense of strain. I remember what Emerson said, that the universe remains at heart unhurt. I know that I live in a universe of good and I'm guided by spirit. Therefore, I lay all trouble aside, seeking to look through it, beyond it, above it, 
to detach it from the realm of my reality, to separate it from my consciousness that belongs just to me and no one else, regardless what any problem of the moment seems to be. I align myself with the powers of goodness and of right action. I abide in perfect and complete faith in God as my ever-present good. I take up no arms to fight the negative. I simply turn, turn from all fear, turn joyfully and resolutely to faith, realizing that light is immune to darkness, that the night has no power over the day, that dawn dissipates the shadows of midnight. I turn my attention to the light eternal without struggle, realizing that that light shining through the dark places of my consciousness will dissipate them and that I will walk in that light in which there is no darkness. Will you join me in prayer? And so I breathe in this moment. I breathe into that place of harmony and peace and grace. I breathe into that power that guides and directs this thing that I call my life. For I truly am aware that the life of the infinite presence of spirit is the life that is living through me, that every cell, every atom of every cell, is truly filled to overflowing with nothing but pure, healthy, whole, complete spirit. Nothing to add, nothing to take away. That is my identity. And so I allow myself to soften in my attachments to the world and to what it tells me. I let all of that go just for a few moments and center and ground myself in the love that envelops me always. I clearly see what is possible for my life. And I create a mental picture of my stepping into that life with ease, without any struggle, with nothing to stand in the way of my experience of good and more good. And so I am grateful for my imagination that is passionate with its desire to live a life that is meaningful and fulfilled in every way. And I allow that guidance of spirit to move through my mind as I create and think of all the possibilities that are presented before me. And so as I affirm and know this for myself, I know it for every single person in this room that each one of these people present here today is a divine being of joy and light and love and beauty and creativity. And so I claim and accept for each one just the willingness, a little bit of willingness to take each one into that heart that lives so deeply within them that says, yes, you are my beloved in whom I am well pleased. And this is your inheritance, a world that is rich with beauty and light and joy. It is all yours. Simply take the gift. And so in gratitude, affirming and knowing that this is the truth of life itself, I give thanks. I let it be. And so it is. Mm. Namaste. Namaste.